You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a Friday edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast. We are going to talk about the Portland game happening tonight. And to help me do that, I have from Dime and from the Big Three Show host, Oliver Maroney. Oliver, what is up, man? Hey, not much, man. Not much. Can't complain. Portland, it's sunny. It's nice. Uh, and we've got a lot of uh, fun things going on. And the season's just around the corner. And, you know, it's 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 coming. It's getting We're getting ready, revved up, I guess you could say. And uh, thankfully, it's here. <laughs> Finally. Yeah, if you're, if you're hearing this, there's already been NBA basketball. But me and Oliver are recording this uh, before the season starts, unfortunately. But I know I'm very excited, and I'm sure you're very excited as well. Uh, so just so for some uh, quick basis, the game tonight is in Indianapolis against the Blazers. Uh, I think it's at 7.30 p.m. Uh, the big storyline, of course, for the Blazers is that C.J. McCollum is suspended for the first game, and this game will be his first game of the season as he will not play against Portland for them. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about why he's suspended and what you think uh, that will have impact on him in that second game? <laughs> uh, I, <can't>, I, <laughs> I know you've been on, hot on this one, so. Yeah, I'm pretty heated about it just because, well, I know CJ, and CJ does a lot of stuff for the NBA and the league, especially in the offseason. He did the NBA Africa thing. He's done a ton of things within the community to help out. And, of course, I mean, this this preseason game uh, against the Phoenix Suns, actually, shockingly enough, they play this Phoenix Suns (laughs) on the first game of the season. So uh, I don't know if this was planned by Phoenix or not, but uh, basically, yeah, in in the preseason game against Phoenix, uh, CJ McCollum stepped out of – I don't know what you want to call it. The bench area uh, took, I think some people say it's three steps. I think it's more about four or five, but uh, he stepped onto the court. You're not allowed to do that. And uh, therefore the NBA decided to suspend him for the regular season. And uh, so he is suspended for one game, losing a lot of money too, but uh, really it's the game. That's probably most important to him. He's got a big contract. He's going to outlive and outshine that contract. I'm pretty sure of it, but uh yeah, it's it's pretty unfortunate. I think the whole the rule is supposed to stop like, you know, <laughs> the night or late nineteen nineties, uh, early two thousand type brawls that we had going on. Email the Pacers were part too. of one. Yeah, the Pacers. Yeah, yeah, like that exactly. Is stopping. <laughs> yes, they're trying to stop that, which is fine. I get it, but uh, you could tell CJ had no malice involved. He was not, you know, he wasn't even as bad as the guys that were battling on the court, basically back and forth, and they got nothing. So. It's very strange. I think the rule, especially like using the rule as it states in a preseason game is quite ridiculous in my opinion because the game means nothing. Uh, so, you know, you could find C.J. McCollum. I think he'd be fine with that. But to suspend him for the first game of the season after all of his hard work and the offseason and everything else, uh, I would be pretty upset. So expect a very, very revved up C.J. McCollum for game two. I, I would not be shocked if that's a, uh, a big game for him. <laughs> Yeah, when I, I saw the video of it, and he, he pretty much just stands up, takes about four steps on the court, doesn't touch anyone, and then a coach just pushes him off the court, and that's it. That's the whole C.J. McCollum involvement is him standing up and walking. And, like, to me, it's just him standing up for his teammates and not actually doing anything. And I know he, like, broke the written rule as it stands, but I don't think, especially because it was a preseason game, that this merits any sort of punishment, even a fine. I think it's ridiculous. And now – because of the one game, like you said, he he's losing like 190 grand or something. It's insane. Yeah, yeah, he's losing. I think the numbers actually stated 
he he just had a, he, he his new contract goes into effect this year, so he's literally oh. losing the first game check of his new contract, wow. which is two hundred and ninety two thousand roughly dollars. Not a big deal to him, obviously, <laughs> but to everyone else out there, it, it certainly is quite a chunk of change. Uh, yeah, you, you talk about the rule. I mean, it's written to prevent things from happening. Uh, I just don't know if that was the intent in this instance. And I think, like I said, if you're going to do this in a preseason game and then suspend somebody for a regular season game, you know, I, I just think that's, that's a little bit ridiculous. Quite frankly, the Phoenix Suns played Portland before Portland had its last preseason game. Had the NBA just acted quicker, they could have suspended him for the last preseason game, but they did not. That's what's strange to me is that this could have, you know, prevented him from missing game one of the season. And uh, he could have missed the meaningless game against Maccabi Haifa. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But unfortunately, I I, I don't know. I don't know how these things work. I don't know how long it takes to review this sort of thing. But uh, to me, it just, like I said, it seems like a extremely harsh punishment, especially for a player, like I said, who does so much around the community, helps out the NBA, is a great ambassador of the game. Uh, so yeah, it, it's, it's definitely, I mean, I can see it frustrating. I can't imagine being a player and having to restrict myself to the bench when my teammate is involved in some sort of altercation, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah. I think the Suns are afraid of being one of those, uh, CJ McCollum victims unit videos, apparently <laughs> the only explanation I can think of, but, uh, this is a Pacers podcast, and we should talk about how this could impact the game. Uh, you think CJ's going to come out really fierce in his in his first game against the Pacers? Yeah, it's actually interesting because I look back, and every game against uh, Victor Oladipo, CJ McCollum has had a game to remember. And oh, I know I know CJ pretty well. Um, and in speaking to him, even like the past couple of years, it, he makes a note of the guys that were drafted in his draft class um and guys who were like one year ahead or one year before and i think i think vic and cj if i'm not mistaken were in the same draft class um but uh i could be wrong there but long story short uh he makes a note a mental note in his mind of guys that get paid guys you know that that sort of stuff he's he's very very mindful of what's going on and obviously um I, i just think that he's the type of player just like damian lillard just like a lot of players in the nba uh russell westbrook that comes with a chip on their shoulder when things are, you know, not going to the, going their way or um, potentially, uh, you know, people are doubting them for some reason, shape or form. They love this sort of stuff. So uh, CJ thrives in that sort of scenario. But then, like I said, on top of it, he's had some tremendous games against Victor Oladipo. I mean, even going back to last season in Oklahoma City, um, I know that there was a, you know, a top 10 NBA highlight where he crossed over Victor Oladipo and, broke his ankles pretty bad but um yeah it it should be very interesting I think CJ McCollum will be the guy that that the Pacers will have to look out for just because um he's going to be ready to go he'll want to play uh he's been working extremely hard in the offseason doing a bunch of um you know just different uh kind of workouts and workout routines than his normal his normal daily routines that he was doing in the offseason um I know he did some like beach workouts some pool workouts uh, different things of that nature, strengthening muscles that he wouldn't normally strengthen. And um, yeah, definitely working on his defense. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see how the Blazers react uh, to this news. And then also with CJ McCollum coming back, how they'll play against the Pacers. 
Yeah, I think this offseason finally CJ got the respect he deserves for being such a good shooter. And I looked this up before, and you talked about it too, uh, against Oklahoma City last year. So Oladipo's old team, he was a, a plus 36 in four games, and they won three of them. And against the Pacers last year, I just had this up. He had uh, 53 points in two games, a 34-pointer. So uh, two scenarios that suggest he's going to have quite a nice game, especially given that it's his first game of the season and he has a chip on his shoulder. So I'm kind of fearful for McCollum. And also Lillard, which I talked about this yesterday, but he had 60 points in his two games against the Pacers too, and he's going to be guarded by Darren Collison. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, I'm going to go first on our fourth point on our little outline. A player on Portland I'm most excited to watch is Nurkic because I know he's such a big question mark this year on how he's going to you know, act and play in a contract year. And uh, I'm just really excited to see how he performs, especially against Miles Turner, two young big men who are both fighting to prove that they belong in, in the top 10 centers in the NBA. No, yeah, that, that should be a very interesting match. I think that's the, the crucial matchup of the game if you really want to win. Um, and I think that's, that's what's been shown in recent history with the Blazers is the fact that uh, they're not – they haven't been historically a great rebounding uh, team. They just don't crash the boards the way most teams do. Um, and that's been their kind of one uh, area that they could improve in. That's why Nurkic was such an effect and such a help uh, they didn't really have much rim protection last year. Nurkic helped their, um, you know, pick and roll offense since LaMarcus was gone. They, it was not as much as it was. Um, Lillard and the McCollum have had all of it on their backs. So it's been really, really difficult for them, uh, you know, that on their shoulders, I guess you could say. So Nurkic is definitely going to be a focal point of this offense. I think he's going to continue to be that way. But for Miles Turner, you know, uh, everyone else on the Pacers team in that front court, whoever's going to be in the rotation at that moment. Uh, I think it'll be very intriguing. I think the other intriguing part that you talk about with the trailblazers matchups is um, how the trailblazers will actually start. Uh, I know I've heard a bunch of people say Caleb Swanigan should start um, at the four <laughs> position. We will see what happens there, but it, I think if you have an intriguing matchup like that, uh, that could be really fun to watch. Like I said, I think the front court battle will be, you know, the backcourt has all the names and, and, you know, probably more of the highlight reels that you can anticipate from this matchup. But I think really where where the game will be won or lost is in the front court of this game. I wrote about the same thing, and I said my key for the Pacers was Thaddeus Young because of that confusion who could be starting at the four for you guys. I think Aminu can do a good job on Thaddeus Young, but Swanigan as a rookie and uh, uh, Noah Vonley is just not the best perimeter defender, won't do as well on him. So I, I thought that that was a nice matchup that the Pacers could uh, could go for. But my key to the game was just going to be shutting down McCollum and Lillard, and I just don't think the Pacers have much of a chance to do it given their their uh, their, their backcourt's not the best on defense, but no one can really stop those guys, so it's unfair to call that a key to the game. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. Um, it's really difficult. But you've seen teams, I mean, even Golden State will allow, you know, 60, 70 points from the pair of them. And, uh, and, and even then they'll still win the game because um, they have enough offensive firepower to do so. I think where the, the Pacers, like, like you mentioned, uh, Thad Young is a mismatch uh, made in heaven for this, this kind of game. Uh, I think that that's going to be a uh, focal point. Uh, I think, you know, obviously his inside-outside kind of versatility there against bigger guys like a Swanigan, even though Swanigan hits threes, he's not a great perimeter defender and he still needs some work on the post. So I think there's definitely opportunities uh, for the Pacers to exploit if they can do it right. Um, and then you look at, you know, like I said, Miles Turner, if he can run the floor and 
and really dominate the paint, I think it's going to be very, very difficult for the Blazers to stop. I, I don't really see Nurkic in the same light as some of the other uh, defensive-minded bigs in the NBA, and I think he's not even – I mean, I wouldn't consider him a great rim protector, uh, maybe not even a good rim protector. I think he's just <laughs> you know a little better than mediocre, but uh, that's going to be another key matchup. And I think, you know, like I said, where the Blazers have always struggled, uh, whether it's Dwight Howard a couple of years ago, um, you know, you look last year, there, there was multiple big men that they just struggled with. They could not figure out, figure out a way to dominate the paint. Um, and that's, that's been their, their, their struggle, uh, for the past few years. Like I said, since LaMarcus left, uh, they just haven't had that post presence to be able to kind of dominate inside and rebound the basketball the way they should be. So that's, that's the area I would look for in this Pacers game specifically is just, um, that, you know, rebounding. Um, and then turnovers, <laughs> the Blazers, they have these games and I, I don't know, I, I don't have the statistics off the top of my head, but they have probably 10 to 15 games a season where they play a team that's, they should beat and they end up losing due to just unforced, silly mistakes. And every NBA team I think has these droughts. Um, but I think specifically with Portland, you have to watch out because uh, you're going into Phoenix. You're going to play Phoenix with Evan Turner probably starting at the two position. Um, and then you're going to change your lineup and rotation when Indiana is is playing you. So I think there's, you know, there could be some uh, advantages for Indiana just because of the uh, consistency within the offense and consistency within the team. Yeah, I agree. Uh, my computer just yelled at me. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, you talked about turnovers. The Blazers were 16th in turnovers last year, but I do remember them having a couple games where that was really problematic for them. And when you have two high usage volume guards, you know, that's that's just how it's going to happen. Uh, we'll hit our official predictions on uh, the final score in a minute, but uh, I just want to ask you a question, not so much related to this game, but just the state of the franchise. What what do you think about the Pacers? Do you Do you interact with them a lot? Do you watch them a lot, anything like that? Yeah, I've watched them in and out. Uh, actually, Ke- I think it's Kevin Pritchard that follows me on Twitter. He's followed me for a long time. I, I don't, I don't know him, but uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I look at the franchise. It's very interesting. I am, I, you know, I live in Portland, so it's easy for me to talk about uh, McMillan. <laughs> um, and I think really the the coaching style is not what I appreciate. So it's hard for me to like a team that plays that way. I like some of the pieces they received back in the Paul George, George trade, even though a lot of people uh, were negative towards the trade and disliked what they got back because they possibly could have gotten more from another team. But I, I like the pieces they have. I like Miles Turner. I think he's a bright young kid, can probably – like potential and sky is the limit for him. Um, you know, I like Sabonis. I think that that is actually one of the more intriguing big men in, in, that – could be in the league in two to three years. Um, and a Portland be, connection with the Sabonis family. Portland, Portland connection with the Sabonis family, but uh, I've seen him in college. So, uh, you know, he okay, played yeah. in Gonzaga, so it's pretty easy for me to drive up there every once in a while and see what's going on. But um, he was the guy that people were talking about at Gonzaga that they really liked. Uh, obviously, he can spread the floor. He can shoot the three. His shot and, like, the mechanics are much better than you would expect from a big man. And he was really underutilized, I think, in Oklahoma City. Uh, it's difficult to get your shot there just because, you know, you've got Russell Westbrook dominating the ball, but I think he's going to have more of an opportunity in Indiana. Um, and then actually, you know, you look at Victor Oladipo, he's still a young guy. I mean, he's, he's got a lot of potential. 
And I think he could, if given the opportunity, um, exceed many NBA fans' expectations, at least this season, uh, if he's given more of a more of a shot, more of a role uh, where he can kind of, you know, where he can be confident, where he can be comfortable. Um, I think a lot of the time uh, in the NBA, you get a lot of young guys that come into the league. They've played their entire lives as the starter, as the number one guy. And then, you know, they, (laughs) they get shell shocked, you know, it's like, Whoa, what's going on here? Now I'm the third or fourth option on this team, or maybe I'm coming off the bench to begin my career. Like Markel Fultz. That sort of stuff definitely screws with their confidence, with their mindset, with their mentality. And it, it's going to take them, you know, two or three years to kind of uh, regain that momentum, regain that confidence. So I think a guy like Victor Oladipo could, could do very well with this move. Um, I, I, yeah, like I said, I, I like the team. Obviously, do I think that they're going to make the playoffs? Probably not. But do I think that there is hope and there's uh, optimism there? For sure. Uh, I think you've got enough young pieces that you can kind of build around. And, you know, you never know. A guy like Victor Oladipo can turn into a C.J. McCollum in a couple of years, and then you've got a cornerstone piece with a Miles Turner that could be vastly improved, and you're looking at a totally different outlook. So it just depends. For me personally, the only thing I don't like about the team is the coach. I don't – I, yeah, unfortunately. I don't want to be – I don't want to be a, a Debbie Downer or anything, but I've, I've seen enough from McMillan to know that uh, his offense is not something that's going to work with players that they've acquired. Um, that's just my personal opinion. It's slow. It's half-court offense. Uh, you saw a little bit of that last year, obviously. And I think the locker room, for whatever reason, he just doesn't command the locker room. Um, I, I just don't think the players really listen to a guy like that. And for that reason, I, I, I think that's the only kind of downside to this team right now. And hopefully they get another coach in there that can – kind of rejuvenate this young core that they have. Um, you know, you look at some of the other young teams in the league, and I, I think they've got a better direction and a better hold and grip on some of their players and, and their attributes and what they should and shouldn't do. And I think that's all because of coaching. So, um, you know, it, it, it won't come, come together in one night, but I think specifically if you're looking at the Indiana Pacers, uh, coaching is probably the glaring number one thing for me that I would look at and say that needs to be changed. <laughs> Yeah, that there's a reason he's one of the uh, the lowest paid coaches in the league. And it's funny you say the the locker room thing because I always feel like those those old player coaches like Jason Kidd and stuff like that have a pretty good grip on just what to say and what to do in there. But McMillan seems to not. And to me, like there's some good free agent coaches right now. And like Mark Jackson played for the Pacers for a long time and was awesome with the Warriors. Like I know they're probably not going to ever hire Mark Jackson, but there's just there's better options to it's me. A better option, yeah, yeah. for sure. So, so they are kind of being held back like that. So who who knows what will happen. I think they'd have to have a, a, a stupendously bad, like under 21 season for him to get fired just because there's not yeah. really, a, a, there's not really like a huge expectation for this team this year. Hey guys, taking a quick break from talking with Oliver to tell you guys about SeatGeek. So you can go to this Portland game on Friday for both cheaper and have an easier ticket buying experience. SeatGeek is a ticket aggregating site that ranks all the tickets in terms of value based on how good the seat is and how good the view is and just a lot of factors go into it and you can easily see the best deal so you know you're getting the best deal for your money when you're buying your ticket. It helps you save time and money which as Nate Duncan put perfectly when he did a SeatGeek ad was your two best resources. And you can put in your email so they'll email you if a ticket with a better value than the best one right now pops up on the market. You can literally guarantee you're getting the best deal. 
It's the best way to buy tickets. And if you use the code LONBA at checkout, you'll get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. There's literally no reason you shouldn't use SeatGeek. You can get money. You can save time. It's perfect. You should use it and use that code LONBA. And now back to the show. I want to talk a little bit about what you've done in Portland this summer as well. I know you've been talking to a lot of the team uh, and just, just the players kind of off the cuff more. Has that been fun to get to know those guys and hang out and hear just them be people instead of players? It's great, man. That's, this is what I love. You know, I, I, yeah. um, you know, I can appreciate the players so much more when I know their personal story or their background or uh, just getting to know them. I mean, like, uh, I don't know when it was. It was like uh, maybe three or four or five days ago. I don't remember. We were he's texting with Evan Turner back and forth and he's, <laughs> we were talking about Dwight Howard and the, like this story that I put out today, but like we were talking about off the cuff, like completely off the cuff, just like, Oh, you know, if, if, if T-Mac's in, then he's gotta be in. And then we just go back and forth and stuff like that. We talk about basketball, talk about, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, it's been great. It's been really fun. Um, CJ is obviously one of the closer connections I have with the Blazers, Evan Myers, Leonard too. Um, there's quite a few guys on the team, Mo Harkless, uh, I saw Dame at an event not too long ago, maybe a couple of weeks ago, and I know his cousin pretty well. But um, yeah, it's it's great to get to know these guys off the court. It's it's refreshing, um, and I think this team specifically. Uh, I don't know about every other NBA team, but it definitely seems like the culture around the NBA has changed and shifted towards this model where the players give back like much more than they ever have. Um, they're ingrained in their community community much more. Uh, they're doing other things aside from basketball and not afraid to do them. Uh, you know, you look at some of the people like Victor Oladipo putting out his R&B album, or you look at uh, Damian Lillard putting out his rap album, or, you know, you talk about fishing and Paul George going fishing with the other guys or whatever. I mean, there's just so many different things that you now know that weren't accessible 10, 15, 20 years ago, partly because of social media, but also, um, I, I think it's just the players and, and their personalities have shifted and changed to look, basketball is what I do, but that's not who I am as a person. And so getting to know each individual kind of the ins and outs of their, their role, their job, and kind of what they like, what they don't, uh, along with just the, you know, the, I, I think the honesty and the kind of, kind of uh, cool personalities of each of them. It, it's just good to know that, those people are out there and these guys also play in the NBA. I kind of look at it that they're friends. They're not necessarily, uh, <laughs> they're not necessarily professional basketball players anymore. <laughs> yeah. I've always thought that if I was a player, I'd kind of like the, the reporter slash writer, like you're, you are talking right now where they don't come and talk to me about basketball all the time. Like they ask me what I'm doing when I'm not playing basketball and we just, you know, shoot the shit and do whatever because, you know, all anyone asks me about is basketball and like it, it just has to be so refreshing for them. Yeah, that's what I think, too. I mean, I, that, that's what I want. I don't want I don't want people talking to like I always go to these family get togethers and there's always like two or three people that are like, oh, what is what is CJ McCollum up to? Or, oh, uh, what you know, don't you think that this team is better than this team or whatever? And I honestly I, I kind of am getting tired of debating and like talking about MVP rankings and all this other stuff <laughs> that people put out just because it's just it's you do this already so much like you talk about it so much that it's just kind of like let's do something else you know <laughs> um uh i can't remember the last thing ah, i don't remember what we were talking about but uh yeah i mean like evan turner has the store that he opened up in um uh, ohio and it's called madison and it's like this clothing store 
and he was talking to me about kind of like the vision and just like what they're doing and the employees and how great they are and just like stuff like that. Like that's, I mean, that's way more important to me just like, you know, and helping guys out whenever they need it. I know a lot of like NBA trainers too, like Chris Brickley, the guy who does all those viral yeah. videos and stuff. Yeah. Um, we don't talk basketball very often. We, <laughs> We usually talk about other stuff like his clothing brand that he's that he's been lining up uh, called Colorblind, which is really cool and uh, unique. He started that with like Brandon Jennings and a couple other guys. But um, yeah, I mean, it's great to know these guys outside of the game. And I think that that's that's where people should focus on more often than not. I just I uh, the reason I even started talking about other things is because I I really was disappointed and upset with how many fans got so frustrated at their players for not performing or not scoring the game winning basket or, you know, getting paid a bunch of money. Like it's not, you know, it's so funny to me. I, I post the Evan Turner article and like the first three comments or replies are this guy doesn't deserve $70 million. Well, like who are you to say that first of all? And secondly, you know, if he was offered that, why wouldn't, who wouldn't take that? You know what I mean? Right. So it's really funny to me, just the, the amount of negativity and the amount of just, you know, stuff that they get on a daily basis. Yeah. That stuff drives me crazy because like, you can say a guy's overpaid, but you can't say he doesn't deserve it. Like Neil O'Shea said, Hey, Evan Turner, here's this money. And like, of course he's going to take it. <laughs> he was a good basketball player, but the Celtics, like that, that's just stupid to me to like be mad at Evan Turner for stuff like that. Uh, what do you like, uh, Swanigan and Noah Vonley? I love talking about players from Indiana and Indianapolis, you know, for sure. Ben Robinson and Oladipo. And now you have, uh, just drafted Swanigan and Vonley's over there. I, I went to college at the same time as Vonley. So I'm got a really big soft spot for him. Uh, you like those guys so far? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, Swanigan, he's, I mean, obviously he's got the nickname Biggie now. Yep. People are really, really raving about him. Blazer fans love him just because of like that. He's that guy that they, gosh, Blazer fans, they don't love like they love their favorite player great like Brandon Roy or Damian Lillard or whoever LaMarcus Aldridge whoever that big name one first name star is but like probably second best and uh second best they just like the hustler like the guy who's going to dive on the ground and grab all the loose balls guy who's going to get every every rebound the guy who just like looks like he's working hard and is impacting the game on the defensive end the offensive end getting in people's faces you know that sort of stuff, like that's what Portland fans really love because they are a little bit rowdy. They love that kind of nasty attitude, I guess you could say about it. We had, you know, they had Rasheed Wallace a few years back or, um, you know, I can't remember. Joel Prisbilla was another guy that people loved. Um, but there's just like these, these <laughs> just like Biggie uh, or Caleb Swanigan, you know, he's, he's very well liked among the fan base. And like I said, people are already screaming for him to start in, in the start of the season. So, We'll see what happens. Um, Noah Vonley, same sort of thing. I think, I think a lot of fans are pretty disappointed in what he's accomplished so far, just because he's a top whatever. I, this is another problem with the NBA. <laughs> if you get drafted high, it's not your fault that you never, you know, achieved All Star games or became a Hall of Famer. Like to me, that you can't put a label on a player with a number like, oh yeah, he was drafted 13th overall, so he should equivalent. He should be better than. Draymond Green or whoever else was drafted uh, behind him. It, it just it, It's not a mathematical equation. The draft process is the draft process teams take on needs. Um, but that's something, like I said, Noah Vonley has that's uh, unfortunately going against him. Um, but I think, you know, if you look at him 
as a basketball player and not as a draft pick or a number or whatever. Um, he's developed. I mean, he's gotten a much better, you know, outside mid-range kind of jump shot. Um, I think he's evolving. And I think the thing with Noah Vonley or any big man coming into this league now, they're, uh, you know, originally, like we talk about Dwight Howard, you come into the league and you're the dominant big man in the post and you give the ball to him and he just goes to work. Uh, I, I think Vonley was probably at the tail end of that. But a lot of players had already developed those post skills. And, you know, at that point, you have to now reshape and remold who you are as a player because of all this run and gun, pace and space sort of offense that's being implemented around the league. So I think for Noah Vonley, it's a tough task and it's something that's going to take time. But, uh, you know, like I said, if you don't look at him as a number or a draft pick and you just look at it, at it as him as a player, I think he's vastly improved over his time of two to three years in Portland. And then moving forward, I think he's going to continue to grow. I know him on the outside, like not in basketball. He's a, he's a great dude. Um, I know one of my friends stayed with him when he was here last year and, you know, raved about his family and his family lives with him. He's very, very family oriented. So um, yeah, I, I think, you know, every player on this team is very down to earth kind of, uh, hardworking, got the, got the ethic and everything involved. But um, yeah, Noah Vonley and Swanigan both are, you know, I think, I think they're very impressive players and I think they're going to continue to grow and improve within the system. Yeah. I love both of them. Uh, Swanigan haven't seen him play, so I'm not going to, well, in the pros, I'm not going to jump out and say anything about him in that regard. But Vonley uh, has improved his shooting percentage every year, has improved his scoring every year. He's already a pretty good defender. He shot 35% from deep last year. He shot 75% from the line two years ago. I love Noah Vonley. I know he's just, he's just like a great role player, and he fits in really well in the Blazers. And he went to yeah. IU. Like, he, he's everything <laughs> I love in a player. <laughs> so I hope he succeeds this year and, and gets some good money next year. He deserves it. Yeah, no, he definitely does. I think, I, I think he'll be an interesting free agent commodity if he ends up you know, being a, a fully unrestricted free agent or whatever you want to call it. If he, if he ends up getting some offers at, at a couple of different teams, it'll be very interesting to see where he ends up and what kind of team he fits in with. But uh, with Portland, he came into his own last, I don't remember how many games, I think it was the last like 15 or 20 aside Nurkic. Um, they, they really thrived. Like he was, he was balling, he was doing his thing. Um, and I, I think, you know, it was, it was very inconsistent play for the most part for those 15, 20 games, but there were very, very good high points and, you know, obviously there's, there's some mistake driven low points, but um, yeah, he's been, he's kind of one guy that, you know, he could blow up at some point. I just wouldn't be surprised like midway through the season or something like that. We're talking about Noah Vonley having like 15 and 10 or something like that. And, you know, Swanigan's kind of maybe, maybe he's not out of the fold or not, not starting, but uh, you know, maybe Noah Vonley has kind of dominated that role because they, I still think that Noah Vonley starting at the four is probably the Blazers best position uh moving forward for the current moment yeah i agree here's uh in the last seven games last season he had he had scored in double figures four times you could really see what you just said him coming into his mold as just an offensive player and such when he was starting at the end of the year uh but let's get to it i want to hear the uh the dime sponsored official prediction for the final score of the game on friday oh that's a tough one <laughs> uh i think i've got to go i'll go portland um, but I think it's going to be closer than people think. I think, you know, Portland will probably 
It'll be a high-scoring game. I think it'll probably be 114 to 106. How about that? Uh, that's, that's pretty good. My, my official number yesterday, me and Adam did our weekly predictions. I said Portland to buy five. So now I just need to put a number on it. I'm going to go 107, 102 Blazers, but you are uh, three points ahead of me. So not, not that much different. I'm with you there. <laughs> I think uh, the Patriots being at home gives them a chance, but McCollum's going to want to go crazy. Lillard's the best player on the court in that game. Like you said, the front court's going to be awesome, but I don't know. I just, I think Portland's got more firepower and with Collins chip on his shoulder is going to make it a heck of a game. It will. It will be very intriguing to see. I remember their last, was it their last matchup where Paul George hit the game winning three or am I off on that? It was uh, two, two matchups ago, two yeah. matchups ago. Yeah. I, that was a, uh, that changed our, that changed the Portland Trailblazers season quite a bit. I remember them being pretty frustrated after that one. So uh, maybe maybe Indiana has has a little bit of an edge uh, because they're playing at home. But uh, we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. We will have to see. Uh, what what are you working on this week? Oh man! Well, I just dropped this Dwight <laughs> Howard piece uh, that um, I don't know if it's like I I, I don't want to say it's blowing up, but uh, my Twitter feed is blowing up because of it. So. Um, that's is uh, more or less just is Dwight Howard a Hall of Famer? And I asked like, 16... can I jump in for a sec? Sure, hundred percent Hall of Famer. Yeah, guaranteed. No, okay. I'm with you there, hundred percent. The question <laughs> was more just like, hey, FYI, the people who say no, like, come on, let's let's <laughs> let's tone this down. But of course, my mentions are lit with people that say no. Like, how can he be a Hall of Famer? It's like, okay, well, he was only a three-time Defensive Player of the Year. He only made eight All Stars straight. Uh, what more does a guy have to do to get in the Hall of Fame, especially if, like, T-Mac is getting in? He beat um, LeBron and led a team yes. of nobody to the finals. Like, Bingo. There you go. <laughs> That's all you need to really say. But He was amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah. Unfortunately, the latter part of his career and then the antics off the court have kind of uh, made it a little bit more negative. But I, I think, yeah, like I said, he's definitely a surefire Hall of Famer. But, um, yeah, I got some influencers on it and some cool people and, uh, I think we had like 16 or 17 people join in on that conversation. And um, yeah, I think most people said yes. I think there's like maybe two or three no's, but that I've got a Q and a with Derek Anderson. Uh, I don't know if you know who that is, but uh, he played in the league for a little while, played at Kentucky, a couple other places, but um, uh, yeah, I got a pretty long form Q and a with him. And uh, actually I previewed the season with Brian Scalabrini. So that Ooh. should be up in the next couple of days. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so those are kind of the three long-form pieces, uh, along with all the daily news hits that we kind of do over at Dime. But uh, those are kind of the three bigger ones that are coming up. I hope to have, well, we'll see. By the end of the month, I should have an interview with Dave Yeager and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson are the two guys that uh, want to do something. So we'll figure out times and days for those. And it should be this month, though. So those are those are the four or five things that I've got kind of planned and rolling up that's awesome man everyone should be on the lookout for all those they're all really good uh i know oliver got to got to make me really jealous this summer as the host of the big three show he went to all the big three games i got to hang out with uh jermaine o'neill and stephen jackson uh that's so cool <laughs> seeing former pacers hey, makes me happy there you go man no stephen jackson just balled out man he's, yeah, he's he hilarious too actually, i actually have a story i haven't told this yet but uh oh let's go break news <laughs> <laughs> we were in Kentucky and we we're staying at this hotel and there's like nothing around or whatever. Well, it's Kentucky. There's nothing around. Um, but uh, yeah, we're in Lexington and 
we what did we do oh yeah so we're like oh yeah we should go get some fried chicken blah blah blah, blah. like there's this fried chicken place in kentucky i don't even know the name of it um but uh steven jackson like snuck out like didn't really mention anything to anybody like got in got in one of our suvs or cars or whatever they are and like drove down to the fried chicken place we were looking at it's like historically great and literally brought like i don't even know how much chicken like i I think it was like 150 or 200 pieces of chicken like for the whole (laughs) like big three crew and everything and like yeah he's just uh yeah anyways we had some fun and man he's uh he's definitely a really really down-to-earth guy like people don't really understand like i know on the jump and things like that you can see that sort of side of him more but um yeah even outside of that he's just a super down-to-earth guy and jermaine o'neill same thing he wasn't around for a lot of the travel i did i think he was injured for a lot of it but um he was there for the last couple of games and yeah the big three was fun man it's uh something completely different something i've never experienced before and hopefully uh we'll continue to experience the next couple years here yeah, it was really fun to watch. I love the four-point shot. It was super cool. <clears throat> and I love seeing the former Pacers and seeing guys like Richard Lewis, who I just called a scrub on Dwight Howard's team. But I love seeing guys like that. <laughs> love seeing guys like that ball out again. And Josh Childress almost got another job out of it. It was really cool. I'm excited. I hope it's back again next year. Uh, Oliver, man, thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem. It is actually back on, by the way. Uh, that's Oh, it is for re- sure? Yeah, so they've re-signed like – well, they've re-signed like 18 other guys – I would anticipate it being back on at this point if they re-sign 18 other guys for two-year contracts. So yeah, um, yeah, it should be should be back and rolling. I think actually, if you go, I don't remember where it was, but yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure I was talking with the co-founder Jeff, um, and he was talking about bringing on some co-captains, some new players, some big name guys, stuff like that. So maybe there's a Paul Pierce or a Gilbert Arenas or some other players as well added in the future. I would love to see uh, No Chill Gill on there. Uh, you, you can follow Oliver at O'Maroni NBA. You can follow Dime at Dime Up Rocks with two X's at the end. You can follow his podcast at The Big Three Show. As always, we are at Locked On Pacers. I am at T East NBA. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. Hopefully, the Pacers can pull it out against the Blazers, but it should be exciting. Uh, go Pacers.